this morning to Deuteronomy chapter 8, and I'll let you remain seated this morning. <clears throat> As we turn to Deuteronomy chapter number 8, we continue our series this morning on Sunday mornings for about, I don't know, 11 weeks or so. We've been springing from this thought about the treasures of darkness. A lot of times we live in uncertain days like we're living in today and seems like things are just dark around us. We don't really understand why things are happening the way they are. A lot of people are searching for answers. Those uh, little cards that we put in your, your bulletin this morning, the reason we, we even made that was just to try to be a help, a blessing, an encouragement to those that are looking for some hope in this world today. And we who know the Lord, He is our hope. And I love the fact that no matter what happens in life, that God is there with us. He's promised never to leave us nor forsake us. What a blessing it is to know the Lord. And if you're here today and you've never had a time in your life that you put your faith and trust in Him for your eternity, because eternity is a long time then today we pray would be the day that you would open your heart and ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins, come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior. And he says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's God's, look, God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. You know, years ago I was saved at the age of 20 and it's been a wonderful journey as a Christian. I, the only regret I really have is, or probably my biggest regret is, I wish I'd have got saved at a younger age. I really do. Uh, 20 years of my life pretty much lived for myself and the world. And I remember when God saved me and I began to grow and I'm thankful for a wonderful pastor that God gave to me. And of course then God gave me a wonderful wife and uh, she's been such a blessing, such a help. God began to work in my life, and I realized God's will for me is not necessarily God's will for your life. Now, certainly it's God's will that all would be saved, and it's God's will that we would all spend eternity with Him, and that's a given according to the Scriptures. But once we are saved, God has a plan for our lives. God has a will for our lives. And as I got saved and started to grow and started to serve, and by the way, everything I think every Christian ought to serve God with their lives because the Bible says that we've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. God wants us to live a life that is pleasing to Him, that will serve Him, and I really believe that's why God leaves us here, to be a witness of Him to those around us. I, I, I remember when I graduated years ago from high school, before I got saved, if you're like me, how many of you like school? Some of you have forgotten it's been that long ago. <clears throat> I remember when I graduated from high school, I said some awful words that I wish I could take back. I said, I I'll never go to school again. Be careful about that word, never. God saved me at the age of 20, and I started to grow in the Lord, and 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 honestly, my wife and I, we were serving in our local church. We were happy, and, and we were giving, and we were serving, and just trying to be a blessing. 
And then God saw fit to place a call on my life to preach the gospel. And uh, it scared me to death because I thought, Lord, you, you have a good sense of humor, you know. Uh, certainly you're not asking me to, to do what I think you're asking me to do. And God says, yes, I am. And I, I, so I, again, just trying to obey the Lord, I, I, I surrendered to God's call on my life. It was the greatest day of my life. By the way, that day that the Lord uh, called me into the gospel preaching ministry was on April the 1st. That's why I asked him if he was kidding with me. By the way, you study the Word of God, God does have a sense of humor. But he wasn't kidding when he called me to preach. Uh, he didn't get much, but I, I certainly have enjoyed the opportunities that the Lord has given to me. And as I began to grow, and then later on, God gave me an opportunity to, to, uh, to get some training. And I remember how the Lord laid on my heart to go to college. And I thought, Lord, you could have had me do anything but go back to school. And then I remembered that statement, I'm done with learning. I'll never go to school again. So here I find myself now, I'm 30 years old, I have a wife, four children, and God sends me back to school. I've been out of school for about, I don't know, 13 years. I pretty much felt like I forgot everything. I was scared to death when I went back to school and I got there and I, I was telling Pastor Ms. Rabin, he was asking me how we kind of, Lord, the journey God's brought us on. I was telling him a little bit about it. And I said, I remember I sat with a registrar and he was asking me about the, the classes that I wanted to take and he was sharing with me what I needed to take. And, and uh, if you've done college, when he showed me the classes and he said this adds up to about 15 credit hours and I looked at him and I said well is that it now the people that are laughing are the ones that have gone to college that know what 15 credit hours mean uh, it's a lot it was a whole lot more than I really could handle and I remember as I went back to school the lessons that I had to learn you know, I realized when I went to college that really college is all about learning how to study, how to, uh, to get through classes, and how to, the best lesson I ever learned was find out what the teacher wants and give them what they want. Because I'm going to tell you, you can do what you want, but you may not get the grade that you want because it's not what the teacher wanted. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So I, I learned my teachers, and I tried to do what they asked, and, and I found that I did well because I had that thought of giving them what they asked me to do. We come to a portion of Scripture this morning in Deuteronomy chapter number 8, and uh, I was sitting in Brother Flynn's class this morning, and, and uh, somehow, somehow, every week, Brother Flynn mysteriously finds his way into what's going to happen in the days ahead for Christians. No matter where he's at in the Bible, he always talks about the hope that we have someday. He just weaves that into everything. And he's going through, and I mean, he's, uh, I told him, I said, he's got this, 
unbelievable way of teaching, and he allows people to ask questions. And I'm telling you, the questions they ask, they're off on you know, rabbit trails here and there. And Brother Flynn's really good about reining it back in and just kind of staying focused. I'm going to tell you something. A lot of times I, I walk, I, I go into a store and I come back out of that store. I forgot where I parked my car. And Brother Flynn, he just, he remembers right where he was at. You know, he'll answer some question, come right back to where he's at. And this morning when he finished up, he could have finished anywhere in his lesson. And I told him after class, I said, you know, I said, I think the Lord was working today. I said, because you ended your class where my message is this morning. So those of you that were sitting in the auditorium class, you get a bonus because you've already, I'm not going to give you the introduction because you already got it from Brother Flynn. But the rest of you will have to catch up, all right? But as we take a look at this passage here this morning, I want you to, as you have your Bible there, of course, there's a there's really kind of a misunderstanding a lot of times when you think about God's people leaving Egypt's land and God leading them as the Bible says a lot of times when we talk about them entering into the land of Canaan people a lot of times think that Canaan's land is a picture of God's people going to heaven that's not true when you study the Bible what you find is is that Canaan represents God's children entering into what he would call the abundant life. See, God's given us eternal life. He's given us life even beyond this world. And as we think about the abundant life, Jesus said in John 10, 10, I am come that they might have life. Look, if you're saved today, he's given you everlasting life. And notice what Jesus went on to say in John 10, 10. He says, I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more what? Abundantly. God doesn't, look, the Lord didn't give his life just so that we can meander around with just kind of a so-so Christian life. He wants us to have an abundant life. He wants us to enjoy. Look, you can enjoy the Christian life on this earth. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven someday. Jesus said, I want them to have life more abundantly. See, there is no doubt as you study the scriptures and even Brother Kenny's verse this morning, there is a heaven for those of us that are in Christ, those that have put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If we know him as our Savior this morning, one day to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The Bible tells us. But see, Canaan represents the full, the abundant life of blessing that God has for his children here on this earth. God wants you to enjoy the life that he's given to us and the children of Israel as they left Egypt. You know, if you've studied this, Egypt is a picture or a type of the world. So many uh, uh, people were bound in their sin, enslaved to sin. And watch this, even after people get saved, they continue to live allowing sin to be their master. God says, look, I've set you free. We have liberty in Christ. But a lot of people continue to live a life of allowing the world to have its way. And, and the children of Israel, as they left Egypt, as they left the world, before they could enter into Canaan, into that abundant life of God's blessing, so between Egypt and between Canaan, there was 
a period known as the wilderness wandering. Now look at this map. I mean, it's a somewhat decent representation, but notice the journey that comes all the way down and then goes up and then comes down again and then goes up. You and I, it's, it's hard for us when we look at a map like this to really realize. Anybody know how long they wandered in the wilderness? 40 what? 40 years. Anybody here 40 years of age? Want to admit it? Brother Rogan's 40. That's how long they wandered. Just look at him. <laughs> I mean, look what it's done to Rogan. Can you imagine what it did to them, you know? But for 40 years, they wandered around in the wilderness. How many of you know that there was probably a more direct path, right? How many of you know that they could have got there a lot quicker, a lot easier, without a, a lot less heartache, right, if they would have taken a different path? You think about your life and mine and how because of the flesh, you know, it, look, it, Paul struggled in his life. The things that he should have done, those are the things he's not doing. You know, the flesh is weak. And just like the children of Israel, we wander around in the Christian life, and the wilderness really represents to us the flesh, all the conflicts, all the trials that we go through. Look in your Bible in Gen Deuteronomy chapter number 8. Look in verse number 1. The Bible says, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Did you notice, look at the words again, that he says here that you need to remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years. And then it says these statements, to humble thee during that 40 years, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee, and he suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by Bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. I mean, look at verse 3 again. God suffered them to hunger. God allowed them to hunger. And so this morning, I want you to think about this thought is, is that what God was doing was God was sending them, the nation of Israel, God's people, God was sending them to school. God was saying, look, I understand that you're my people, but there are some things that you need to learn, and here's the school that I'm going to send you to. Now, nowadays, with all this COVID that's going on, there's, there's still many schools that haven't reopened. There are some children learning at home. There are uh, some that have gone back to school. And, and even, look, whether they're at home or even back at school, this, even if it's the same school they attended last year, 
It's different. It's different than it was a year ago. And this was a school that the children of Israel had never been to before. This was one they had never received instruction from. And the whole thing you have to remember this morning as I share this thought from the Word of God is, is that it was the Lord that sent them to this school. It was God that wanted His people to learn these lessons. And this morning, God's given His Word so that you and I can learn that by their example that we can learn those very same lessons. So whether you thought you were going to come in here today and hear a message, the truth is you just came into the classroom of God this morning. God's brought you to school today. God wants you to learn these very same lessons. How many of you want to learn something from the Lord today? Well, I'll tell you, that pleases the Lord that your hand was up. Because we want to be good students. We want to do well in God's school. By the way, God's not a taskmaster. He loves us. And he, look, you, we just saw, and we'll see here this morning, how much God loved them, that even while they were going through school and God was humbling them in the school of hunger, that God still provided for them every step of the way. God will provide for you. God will take care of you. But God has something. Look, doesn't matter if you've been saved five days, five years, or 50 years. We should always be willing to learn. And I believe that God brought you here today to teach you something. He certainly has taught me these very things this past week. And so I see here in Deuteronomy chapter number 8 that God allowed his people to go to the school of hunger because he had something that was necessary in their lives. And we, we a lot of times, maybe like the children of Israel, we look at these things or these times that God has actually blessed our lives. God has provided for us during these times. And we can also see times in our lives that we may not understand, but there are times of great trial and times of challenges in our lives. And God uses these times to bring us to really a life of obedience because that's what God desires more than anything is as his children that we would obey him in all things. Again, when you look at this verse, look at the end of verse number two. God says, I'm doing all this in your life to humble you, to prove you that he says to know what is in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. In other words, are you going to obey me? Are you going to do what I ask you to do? Now, sometimes we're like Peter in the book of Acts. Peter's answer was, not so, Lord. That's a contradiction. <clears throat> if he's Lord of your life, then you ought never to say no to God. And yet that's what Peter did. So as we look at these lessons that God has for us, somebody said it this way, to obey the Lord is not simply to do what God wants you to do. To obey the Lord is to delight in doing it. There is a difference. Look at the psalmist said, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. God puts into our hearts, listen to me this morning, child of God, he already has put into your heart what he has chosen for you, what he's chosen for me. And we should be grateful to God for the choices that God has made for us. Look back in your notes in Deuteronomy chapter 1, in verse number 1, the Bible says, 
These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel on this side of Jordan in the wilderness, in the plain over against the Red Sea, between Paran and Topol and Laban and Hazaroth and Dizabod. He says, there are, notice this statement, how many days journey? Eleven. Now keep that in mind. There's an 11-day journey from Horeb, by the way, of Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea, and it came to pass in the, what year? 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel, according unto all that the Lord had given him in commandment unto him. So the Bible says here, when you get into the book of Deuteronomy, in the very first chapter, it mentions that there was an 11-day journey. Listen to that. 11-day journey that the children of Israel were to make to come to Kadesh Barnea. Can you go back to that map? Are you able to go back? Okay, look at it. Kadesh Barnea, you see the other arrows that kind of almost go straight across? That's the 11-day journey. But they went south. They went way down and came all the way back up to Kadesh Barnea. All that wandering, all that that they went through could have been avoided if they would have just obeyed the Lord, if they would have kept his commandments or no. So the Bible says here that this was an 11-day journey that they were supposed to make, and how long did it take the children of Israel to make this journey? How many years? 40. So an 11-day trip turned into a 40-year trip. That's amazing when you think about that. Sometimes we think, well, I just don't understand why my life is the way it is. Are you obeying God? Are you delighting in what God has chosen for your life? Folks, look, I, I would gladly take, uh, I went to visit my mom, and, and as I was visiting my mom, it was, it was a 20-hour drive to go see her. I thought it was a 40-year trip, 20 hours in a car. My poor wife had to put, put up with me for 20 hours driving in a car all the way up there. And look, the children of Israel, here they are. They turned an 11-day trip into a 40-year journey. And God says, look, I, I have th this trip. I have this school. And many of them uh, wandered around in the wilderness. That, that, look, I think about the children of Israel, and I think about us many times, that we, just like them, we get so busy with everything in our lives. We get so busy with the things of this world. Our lives become loaded and burdened down with care. But here's the sad fact is, just like the children of Israel, we're going nowhere many times. We're spinning our wheels. We're doing things and going places that really we ought not to be doing, just like the children of Israel. And Moses told the people here in Deuteronomy, there is something that God wants you to learn. I mean, here they are staring at the map. I mean, that's about what it would have been like, trying to figure out what are we doing? Where did we take a wrong turn? They, they didn't have a clue what they were doing, and God gave to the man of God instructions to give to them, and he was saying, look, God has something that he wants you to learn. He told them that God was putting them in this school, and he allowed them, I know it sounds bad, but God allowed them to go hungry. Why? So that he, God, could accomplish his purpose in their lives. Now, God's not going to let you starve, but God, as, as the Bible says here, he says, I, I led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to prove thee, to know what's in your heart. By the way, God knows what's in your heart today, and he knows what's in mine. And so as we look at these lessons, there's four of them. 
in this passage that God was teaching them, and I really believe these are lessons that God wants you and I to learn today. So here we are. Here's the first lesson. Write it down. We learn to observe in the school of hunger. You and I, as God's people, just like the nation of Israel, we learn to observe. The word observe literally means to guard, to be aware of what is going on. Look at verse number one again, because here's the word. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye, what's the word? Observe to do. So how many of God's commandments should we observe and do? All. And the Bible says that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto our fathers. So God wants us to see that when we get through this wilderness journey, when we get through this school that he's sending us through, that it's not the end of, of our journey, it's actually just the beginning. It's, it's the beginning of what God has for our lives. God wants us to enter into that land, the land of plenty. God wants us to have a blessed life, the abundant life. And so what, what God is saying to us this morning is that I want you to learn this lesson, and that is you need to observe while you're in the school of hunger. Now this 11-day journey, here it is, turns into 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness. They went through all the trials, all the hardships, all the long nights and the long days. Why? To learn some lessons. God places them in the school of hunger. He puts us in the same place many times in our lives. Why? For the very same reason. He wants us to learn some things. So many live and really have no idea what God wants for their lives. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. I think a lot of times we reserve that type of thinking for young people. That It's almost like God only has something for young people. He doesn't have things for people that are older in life. Can I tell you, look, God has a purpose and a plan and his will for your life as much as he does for some young person. And God allows us to go through these schools of hunger and learn these things. Why? Because he wants us to know what he has for us. He puts us there so that you and I, just like the children of Israel, as they were going through that wilderness, that desert wandering, they learned one thing, and that is that they, even though they were in the wilderness, even though they were without, that they could depend on God. That's something that they learned. And until we get that lesson down, that we ought to observe all that God has done for us. And I'll tell you that we're going to continue to wander around in our lives. Have you learned that lesson yet that you can depend on God? God says, I want you to learn this. And first important lesson is to observe while you're in the school of wandering. But then he moves on to the second lesson in the school of hunger. And he says, secondly, we can learn to remember in the school of hunger. Now look what the Bible says in verse number two. He says, and thou shalt, look at the word, remember all the way. God says, I, I want you to remember everything that happens which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee, and he suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that Man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. So God wanted them to remember. What is God doing here? He, he was humbling them. The Bible says you and I should humble ourselves in the sight of God. 
oftentimes we're so full of ourselves. Like we're somebody, we're something that we're God's gift to this world. And God says, look, I want you to humble yourselves before me. God wanted them to remember that it was he, not them, that fed them in this wilderness. There were no Walmarts. There were no Publix. They had nowhere to go to get provisions to feed themselves. But God says, I want you to remember that I was the one that fed you with manna. They were complaining because they didn't have anything. They thought, boy, we had it great back in Egypt. Really, if it was so good, why did you want to leave? But yet here they are out in the wilderness. God's trying to teach them the first lesson is to observe that they can depend on him. And then he says, I want you to remember that I was the one that fed you. I was the one that provided for you. God was the one that delivered them. And as Brother Flynn was talking about this morning, how God was the one that led them through the Red Sea and how that they saw the water eventually come forth from a rock. Listen, only God can do that. And they knew that, that God provided water for them out of that rock. And God did all of that as they began to leave Egypt's land. And the truth is, is he did many of those things in the very first few months of their leaving Egypt's land. Look what it says there, and you know it's Exodus 16. The whole congregation of the children of Israel, what did they do? They murmured, they griped, they complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Verse 4, then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven. Did you, did you see that? Here they are griping and complaining. Some of you, you have children and your children are griping and complaining. Look, as a parent, you don't want to give something to a kid that's griping and complaining. But yet God says, look, I will rain down manna from heaven, bread from heaven, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day. And look what he says here. As I allow it to come down, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Now, some of you know probably where I'm going with this, but this manna, this, this small honey wafers that God brought down from heaven to them while they were out in the wilderness, the Bible says in that same chapter, Exodus 16, look at verse 14. The Bible says, when the dew that lay was gone up, Behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, it is manna, for they wist not what it was. In other words, they had never seen it before. They didn't know what it tasted like. Uh, it was foreign to them. How many of you, whenever you see something new and you don't know what it is, you don't know what it tastes like, what's the first word out of your mouth? What is it? I made a mistake one time. We were at a Christmas uh, gathering uh, for my wife's workplace, and, and uh, it, was, it was at the uh, vice president or president of the bank's home. We were sitting there, and it, I mean, they had the finest china out. There was a lot of, a lot of employees. His house was rather large, and, and uh, I had never been to something as, as posh as that before, and I was sitting there with my wife, and, and they were bringing out the food in, in, in uh, what do you call it, um, Courses, there you go, bringing out the food courses. And, uh, and, and I, you know, I, I'm just not used to that. And they brought it out, and, and, and each time, each time, they set down something in front of me, and I, I remember saying, what is this? 
Little did I know that the chef, there was a bona fide chef that was in his kitchen making all that food. He was in the room when they brought the main entree and they set it down. And, you know, people are all about presentation, you know. I'm all about taste. <laughs> and this, you know, there wasn't much on the plate and it was presented in a certain way. And I, I leaned over and I said, what is it? And he, the chef heard me. That wasn't good. Can you imagine this stuff falling from the sky, landing on the ground? You know, something ever hit the ground when you guys have a three-second, five-second rule, right? <laughs> right? Hits the ground. I was, I, was, I was at a restaurant, a fast food restaurant up in the state of Washington. I was standing in line with a pastor, and I had, had a group uh, from the college, and, and we were standing in line, and we ordered and I was watching the people, I, from my angle, I could see the grill area in the, in the back, and I saw this guy working the grill, I saw him drop the hamburgers on the greasy floor, and he picked them up and put them right on the bun. I leaned over and I told the pastor, I said, hey, I just want you to know that that guy just dropped the food on the ground, picked it up, put it on the bun, and they just put it down on the, on the counter in front of you, and he told the manager. But here they are, this small wafer stuff is laying on the ground and they look at it and they're going, what is it? The Bible says they used the word manna. They didn't really know what it was. And they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, this is the bread which the Lord hath given to you to eat. Let me ask you this. If you've known the Lord for any length of time, is God going to give you something bad? No. Now we may not always know what it is. We may not always know what it tastes like. But he says, this is bread which the Lord has given you to eat. No doubt, listen, this was miraculous. That God sent them food from heaven. And, and look what it says in that same chapter, verse 16. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. And listen, here's, here's God's instructions. He gave it to them, but he gave them instructions. I know a lot of times, especially us guys, we don't like to read the, the directions, right? But look at God's directions. God says, gather of it every man, every man to his eating, and omer for every man according to the number of your persons, take ye every man for them which are in his tents. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, look at this, it melted. In other words, when the heat of the day came, this this manna that was laying there for them to take every day, every man, for everyone in his tents, if the sun came up, it was gone. So you had to get there in the morning to get it. It melted, the Bible says, and it came to pass, look at this, on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers, not one, two for one man, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. So God gives them instructions. Six days, every man, go gather one omer. But then on the sixth day, he says, I want you to gather twice as much. And the Bible tells us here, this was the instructions. 
the people had to gather it, here's the key, daily. God says, every day, I want you to go get your daily portion. By the way, every day, daily, get in the Word of God, the bread of the Word of God. Every day, we need a, a fresh supply from God's Word. And God told them, he says, I, I want you on the sixth day to gather twice as much. The Lord told them, I don't want you. Uh, look, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you're here and you're a hoarder. This was the first evidence of hoarding in the world, right here in the Bible. Because there were people out there, they're like, man, this is pretty good. We're, we're going to eat until we, we get full and get stuff. And they took two, three, four omers. God told them, take one. But they took more, and as they took more, then the Bible tells us what happens. Now, miraculously, when they gathered it on the sixth day, the reason that they were supposed to take twice as much on the sixth day was because they were not supposed to go out there on the seventh day. Isn't it interesting how as they did that, that the food that they took twice as much on the sixth, that it didn't spoil, it didn't go bad, and they had something to eat on the seventh day. All of that was God's planning. God allowed his children to go to this school of hunger. Why? Because God was trying to teach them something. God was trying to teach them what was essential in living a life that pleases him. He wanted them to remember that it was he, not them, that miraculously cared for them. I hope you know that this morning. God loves you. God will care for you. He wanted them to remember this. We live in a world today, and look, is it not true? Not just America. I know that America is guilty of this. We have forgotten God. I mean, as a people, as a nation, as a world, yet the Bible tells us here in Deuteronomy chapter 8 that God said that he might make thee know what that man doth not live by bread alone. You know, if you're like me, if you had something to eat for breakfast this morning, there's a good chance you're already getting hungry. Pastor, hurry up. I need to get to lunch. Look, the meal that we had today or last night, it's gone. The Bible says man doesn't live by bread alone, but we do live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord. That's how man lives. Here they are in the wilderness. And God says, I want you to remember that even though you're going through a wilderness journey, he says, I will provide for you. I care for you. He says, I want you to remember that he will take care of our every need and listen, God's word is our greatest need this morning, that we need to feast on the word of God. And God says there's some lessons. And the first lesson is, as you're out in the wilderness, in the school of hunger, I want you to observe. I want you to secondly remember. Thirdly, I want you to learn this lesson that you need to consider in the school of hunger. Now, this word consider is a great word because it means to know by seeing. To know by seeing, to perceive. Look, look back in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse number 5. As a matter of fact, look at verse 4. He tells them, Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so doth the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. So notice again in verse number five, thou shalt also, not only what I've already tried to teach you, but here's the third lesson is you need to consider. This is a great thought here. What is God saying that we need to consider? 
that if we are one of his children, God's going to deal with us. You know, when you think about this, if you have children, chastening is a part of child rearing. It's, it's a part of, of raising children. Uh, spare the rod, spoil the child. I know a lot of times, and, and, and I get it, sometimes, especially in this day and hour we live in, because of, of things and how things have changed in our world, you need to be careful of your parent about how you do it or when you do it. And I don't think you ought to ever discipline your children in anger. I, I think that there's a purpose, and it's a biblical purpose. It's for correction, for helping them understand that they need to obey, they need to do what you've asked them to do. And the Bible says here, God says, I want you to consider. I mean, we're not talking about God abusing his children, just like we are not to abuse our children. It's this matter of discipline in their lives and discipline in our lives. In the New Testament book of Hebrews chapter number 12, look what the Bible says, and ye have forgotten the exhortation. Look at the word, exhortation. That means to build up. That doesn't mean to tear down. God says, look, you've already forgotten this, which speaketh unto you as unto children. Notice he says, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Notice chastening of the Lord. He says, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him, for whom the Lord loveth. What's those next two words? Look, I'm going to tell you, I've never enjoyed whoopings. Y'all understand whoopings? Okay. Some of you that don't understand, maybe you do need to understand. But I know this. Now, look, when I was a kid and my dad, often, I was the youngest of four children. I was the only boy. I should have gotten preferential treatment. I mean, that's a two for one. The baby and the only boy. Now, if it had been up to my mom, I would have never, I would have never been chasing. But I'm glad I had a dad that loved me. Now, man, when he, when, it, when he commenced loving on me, <laughs> he loved me. I didn't get it when he was doing it. I just thought, man, my dad is mean. My dad doesn't love me. Why would my dad make me hurt this way? It's interesting, when I was going through that, I was always thinking it was my dad, but the truth was it was me, because if I wasn't disobeying my dad, my dad wouldn't have been doing that. And the Bible says, whom the Lord loves. God loves you. Do, do you know, look, he led them out of Egypt. He led them out of bondage. Yes, he took them out into the wilderness, but it was on the way to Canaan. It was to the land, the abundant life. God says, look, it's just an 11-day journey. You're the one that turned it into 40 years. God says, look, because you will not obey me, because you will not listen to me, he says that I'm going to have to correct you. Look at the words, rebuke. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Look at these words, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. And then the Bible says, if. Ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons, for what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? When God deals with me, listen, I don't enjoy it, but I'll tell you this, it's clear proof 
that God loves me and that I am his child. Because God will not let you or I sin successfully. God is going to deal with us because he loves us. And he says, look, I want you to consider that in the school of hunger that, listen, you will, when you disobey me, you will be chastened. And the children of Israel, look, no doubt they have been blessed by God, but yet even though they were blessed of him, they disobeyed him. And because of their disobedience, he had to chasten them. See, it was a lesson. That's a hard lesson to learn. And then notice the fourth lesson. See, not only in the school of hunger, they had to learn to observe, and they had to learn to remember, they had to learn to consider. But then look at this. We also learn to beware in the school of hunger. Now, if you look at the Hebrew, here's what you'll find. That the English word here, beware, is actually the same exact Hebrew word as the very first word that we looked at, which is the word observe. And this is a warning. He says here, I I want you to observe this. I want you to pay attention to this. This last lesson really has to do, listen to me this morning, it deals with the perils of prosperity. You know that's one of the problems with America today? America is so fat so prosperous, so blessed, she doesn't need God. That's what happens with people. When we've got money in the bank, and we've got cars on the driveway, and we've got food in the pantry, we don't need God. We've got everything we need, but I'm going to tell you that God says, I'll take you to the school of hunger. I'll humble you to prove what is in your heart. And here this last lesson is God says, I want you to beware. Because look what the Bible says in verse number 11 of our passage here. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse number 11. The very first word, beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God. He says here, in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. He says, lest when thou hast eaten and are full. What are they eating? Manna. Where did it come from? Came from heaven. Who sent it? God did. God says, lest when thou have eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwell therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee out forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought where there was no water who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint who fed thee in the wilderness with manna which, which thy fathers knew not that he might humble thee and that he might prove thee to do the, uh, the good at the, the latter end and thou say in thine heart my power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me all this wealth. God says, look, if you're going to go into the land of plenty, if you're going to go enjoy the abundant life, when you get there, I want you to learn this lesson in the wilderness so that when you get there, that listen, uh, you think about these people, and I could name a very popular 
preacher in the world today who preaches what is called a prosperity gospel that is not written in the Word of God. It is against the teachings of God. Listen, I'm going to tell you, we always remember that all good gifts come down from above. God is the one that gives us our health. God is the one that gives us life. God is the one that gives us breath. And when we get to the place in our lives because we have worked with our hands and we have money in the bank and we have all that this world has to offer and we forget God. That is something that God says, look, I'm going to deal with you. I'm going to help you understand where all this comes from. Everything that we have, God has given us the power to have it. It is by his power that we have wealth. And what are we doing with God has given to us? Look, God has entrusted with you today, not only maybe the things of this world, but children, a job. And listen, I'm going to tell you, the most important thing this morning is, what are you doing with what God has given to you? Because Job said it this way, I came into this world with nothing. And guess what I'm going to leave this world with? Zero. Goose egg. You see, everything we have, God. That's the equation. God is the one that is given. And look, obedience to God. Obedience to God is the evidence of recognizing God's blessings in our lives. It is because of his blessings that you and I should serve him with all of our hearts. Look in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18. The Bible says, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. And it shall be if thou do all, he says here, do at all forget the Lord thy God. If you forget what he's done for you, and he says, and you walk after other gods, and you serve those other gods, and you worship those other gods instead of worshiping the one true God, he says, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroyed before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. And God says, and look, I know it was probably difficult for Moses, but God says, Moses, here's what I want you to tell to the people. And I'm going to tell you this morning, whether you like me or not, it doesn't matter to me. The only thing that matters is God says to me, this is what I want Bible Baptist Church, this is what I want those that are listening by way of live stream this morning. Uh, God says, look, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord, that is why God is having to deal with us. And he says here that if you continue to disobey me, he says, then you will cease to be blessed. He says, I withhold my blessings from you and God will allow us to be cursed, a curse to come upon us. I love what somebody said, it one thing to start right. Hey, look, it's important that as we get saved and we start to live for the Lord, it's good to start right. But here's the thought is, it's another thing to finish right. And in this area of remembering the Lord, remembering the goodness of God, remembering that it is He that has so blessed our lives that you and I, look, it, look let's try to do our best to get started right. But with God's help, may we all finish right. That's what we need to think about this morning. How are you going to finish your journey? See, right now, some of you are thinking, well, I've, I've still got a long journey. I've still got plenty of time. You don't know how long you have. I don't either. Today could be the day. 
How are you going to finish? You know who's going to decide that? You are. 11 days turned into 40 years. You want to take a trip like that? Is God going to have to take you to the school of hunger to prove you, to see what's really in your heart? God's got some lessons he wants us to learn. Would you bow your heads with us this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? The four lessons. God says, I want you, first of all, to observe. I want you to remember. I want, I want you to learn this lesson to consider. And he says, I want you to learn to beware. Have you learned those lessons? Some of you right now may be in school. And maybe even spiritually speaking, you're hungering. And God is working in your life what seems like a time of darkness. But it's a time that God's using to humble you. To get you to depend on him. To consider how much he loves you. He loves you so much that he's going to deal with you. And then he's warning us that if we're not going to obey him, he's going to stop blessing our lives. Do you know that serving the Lord, giving to the Lord, those aren't options. Those are commandments. And we just act like I can just do what I want because I'm saved. You see, you haven't discovered what's most important in life. God says, that's why I have you in school, because I want you to learn. Would you stand with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed?